The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. I'm joined by Jared Howland, who is political commentator and public affairs consultant, and Brianna Parkins, uh, journalist, to look at the stories making the news today. And uh, the prime amongst them, I suppose, is where we have to start, Brianna, is with that horror explosion that we were discussing before the break. We know now seven people dead in Creaseluck in Donegal and possibly uh, more casualties likely to be discovered. It's a horror, isn't it? And, and you feel for not just the, the families waiting for, for loved ones, for, for news and those digging crews, but also emergency service responders, people who are there first on scene. Um, you know, I've covered natural disasters before in Australia. My dad's a fireman and has been involved in these kind of rescues. And those images do stay with you for years afterwards. I can close my eyes and, and be back right on that scene. So my heart really goes out to, to everyone waiting by the sidelines, you know, trying to, having hope that they will hear a sound and there will be someone recovering. Well, I think that was the thing for when Barry was talking about the silence, because he, he described that thing where they would they last night would blow whistles in the hope of hearing somebody. And at a certain point decided that that prospect was unlikely. That's terrible. Yes. And, and you're looking at, at this mound of rubble and you're trying to figure out how did it go from from that to this. And you never make sense of that. And as bad as this is, and then these funerals will come. And then after the funerals is the worst time of all. Then there will be nothing. And the whole reality of an empty room in a house, an empty chair comes home. And that, I think, the real devastation of this will unfold over years. And particularly for a small community. I mean, Barry White's description there of a small, tight-knit community where people would know each other like any small village or Mm -hmm. town around the country. How you recover, never mind how you recover, how you process what has happened. I mean, as people are waking up this morning and trying to go about their days, how does anything look the same? No, and, and I don't think ever anything is ever the same. Even a single bereavement in a family, nothing is ever the same. But bereavement, shock, and, and literally to use the word carnage on this scale in a tiny place among a small population. Um, I, th- I don't have an answer to that, but it's, it's huge. And the whole... Uh, in people's lives uh, is, is huge and I think the, the repair of it will only come literally over decades. It's not until all the people who have been hurt by the loss are themselves buried that the wound finally closes. And the inexplicable nature of it, I suppose to some extent there are bereavements where they expect it is the wrong phrase but they are in the normal warp and weft of human life. Whereas loss of life to this extent that is so sudden, so inexplicable, so unexpected, how the individuals involved, how the the community will process it, it is hard to understand at this stage. We will obviously bring you updates uh, as the um, search operation continues uh, across the morning and we'll be returning to it uh, after 10 o'clock. Two other matters in the uh, papers. Interesting political um, rumblings uh, in relation to one of the significant moves from the budget or rather around the budget time, that being the decision to levy the cost of the mica repairs and uh, the pyrite repairs on um, concrete production and therefore passing them on through into house building. It looks like this, Brianna, might become something of a political problem. I mean, I don't see how it would it wouldn't become a political problem. You kind of want to go back to to the policy making rooms and, and, and be like, what was the thinking? Because this was never going to go down well. This was never going to go down well with the construction industry, with lobbyists and with people trying to desperately buy new builds and are already facing uh, skyrocketing prices just because of the the indexation. Um, so this was never going to go down well. And it, I think it's really 
like rubbing salt in the wound that these firms haven't really faced any punitive measures. We know that there's there's legal, there's uh, civil cases being brought to the High Court. There's a couple of hundred, and they're facing a a potential payout of you know half a half a billion sorry five hundred and fifty million. So we know that there's there's a civil action, but there's been so no push to do you know a major overhaul. There's been no sort of major inquiries. There's been no. We know that the Cassidy brothers they have had one of their plants shut down, but more due to a council regulation like unregulated development than say looking at even criminal charges down the line. So it just seems that the, the people responsible for for the crisis have not really faced well, any. It looks action. like the ones who will end up paying for it will. Be be people who want to buy newly built homes yes. because it will get passed straight through to the consumer effectively. That's the thing. So we know that the the price increase has increased from the initial projections. The Department of Finance has turned around and said, look, we didn't actually add in the soft costs, which is what the construction of Pig Body has said the whole time along. They said, look, it's going to be at least two grand, which is in line with what they've actually ended up with, which is you know 1,400 euros to 2,200 euros for a, a typical dwelling, which I imagine is a house. And then there is a typical apartment and the increase is going from 1300 to 2100 and that's just the cost of construction that's not what the final consumer pays on the end now Jared Howland can you explain this to me because we spoke to the Taoiseach on this program last week about this and asked what was the logic in not just using general exchequer money to cover this as in just reach into the the state's coffers cover the costs that are going to be uh, coming out of it and move on and he seemed to be indicating that there was some ideological principle about holding somebody to account but the people who are being held to account surely are the wrong people did you ask him about the logic of spending billions of public money uh, rebuilding people's houses that have been horribly afflicted by mica but rebuilding them to an extent that is above the size of an average house. In other words, regardless of the size of the house, you're going to have virtually the full costs of your your house compensated uh, and that people uh, who pay taxes across the country, including people who have no houses, will contribute through their taxes to rebuilding on that scale. The unfairness of this uncommented upon uh, when this was being discussed in the doll is astonishing. But does the people who are bellyaching... But does that suggest that you support his method of paying for it? That rather than going from general taxation, it's better that at least it stays within the construction industry no, and I, customers? No, I, I support, and I wrote about this in, in the Irish Times on Tuesday, I support the idea of a lobby, of, sorry, of a levy, I, I, I beg your pardon. Uh, it's a levy in the wrong place. Because, as Brina has explained, the cost of this levy goes on blocks for it. So every classroom, every cattle shed, every apartment is going to bear the cost in a way that is that costs people who are investing, but is 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 a is a free charge on people who, for example, already have their own homes. And my suggestion was, firstly, that the politicians who are belly aching about this had no thought or concern about any cost provided it went into the general exchequer fund. Why? Because the taxpayer generally is so amorphous it's a kick without a cost. But now the kick has a cost and suddenly they are frightened. Are they going They're to frightened of their own largesse with our money. Are they going and to U-turn do you think? Of course they are. And what they should have done that this should have been the levy should have been put on uh, the property tax which is anemic by European standard, because if you are housed with or without a mortgage, you are better off than people who are unhoused. Uh, and that would have been fair, but it wasn't politically considered. It won't be because the politics of that will be open revolution. But that's fairness for you. Well, that brings up uh, the other area where you speak about those who are housed and those who aren't, because the other thing that may be a politically sensitive one, Brianna, at the moment is that thing of an eviction ban, which looks like it's becoming more and more likely. 
Yeah, so the government are considering, uh, you know, the possibility of reinstating the eviction bans. Those similar to what we saw in COVID. Um, an illegal expert, uh, a professor, um, Rachel Walsh uh, from Trinity, has said, look, if you put a time limit on these things, they're likely to to defeat, you know, any kind of any kind of constitutional challenges made by landlords. So they might not likely to get up in court if you put a time limit on it. It's those kind of um, those open ended, lengthy eviction bans that could get us into trouble or could get the government into trouble. Sorry, um, and that could be a problem because no one knows when this is going to end. Like we can have projections on inflation, we can have uh, projections on indexation and interest rates, but it's unlikely that the wages are ever going to keep pace. It's unlikely that it's going to reverse. It might stay stagnant. So things are still going to cost more at the end of the day. So it's going to be really difficult to put a time limit going. You know, if we have a three-month ban, that's going to put a band-aid on the crisis. It's very difficult to say. What about, because this was a point that I, I heard Pat Kenny making on his programme during the week. What about the, the unintended sequelae of a decision like this? If you have somebody who is thinking, well, I'm intending to move out of the house in the next four or five months. There's now an eviction ban. I'll just stop paying the rent. Yeah, and I won't pay my uh, electricity bill either. Um, so I think on balance, there is probably a need for some sort of temporary eviction van, as there is a need for some sort of prohibition on cutting people's energy supply off during the winter. I mean, I do believe in social solidarity, but there's a problem and there's a cost. And the problem is the conversation always absents the issue of the cost. So the cost of an eviction van is higher rents all around. Be clear about that. Why? If you're a big landlord or if you're a small landlord, the, the, the money foregone will be recouped because you must and you have to. If you're a big landlord and you have many units, you, you, will, you, you will apply oh, as in If you have board. a tenant who can't pay their rent and yeah. therefore they continue to remain, you lose money so you hand that cost to somebody of else. Of course, that's what every business does every time with every cost. It's, it's like the first day in economics class. What about the, the smaller landlord and the individual landlord? If you're one of the, the involuntary landlords mm. we hear so much about, you may have only one property. There's nowhere Correct. to pass that cost on. So it's the next tenant who pays more. One final thing before we uh, wrap up, Brianna. Um, given your, um, I mean, obviously you, you are Irish in, 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 uh, by practice at this point, but by birth you're <laughs> elsewhere. Um, what has been your take on the Irish dancing scandal from the lens of uh, an Australian relatively new to the country? Oh, we have, we're big into Irish dancing and it's Riverdance's fault, right? So in the 90s, Riverdance in came, Australia. Yeah, Riverdance came out, people saw, uh, you know, you're shirtless, uh, his name has just eluded me. Michael Flatley. Michael Flatley. I'm like, oh my God, I saw Blackbird. Um, Michael Flatley. People saw a shirt that's Michael Flatley. And I'm became like, all yes, a flutter. This is it. This is for <laughs> well, me. Well, it was more when the shirt was wide open, Brina. Yeah, rather than, than it was too too open to the navel and rather than all. Button. If you see belly button, that counts as shirtless. It's, <laughs> right, the, okay. it's the same. Where it's semantics at this point. But yeah, Irish dancing was really big in Australia. And uh, so my mom was looking at putting in me into Irish dancing, which my father considered uh, you know, borderline child abuse. But luckily for me, uh, the dresses were too expensive. It was too prohibitive. We were a working class family. The dresses were already up in their hundreds and the wigs and the tan. I can't get over that for a sport that is Irish dancing that such heavy fake tan is required. We're not a tanned people. Well, this is the bit that amazed me because I was listening to some of the coverage on this during the week and there was a discussion where a woman said, you know, it has got totally out of hand. Some of these children are wearing heavy fake tan and two wigs. And then they said, my daughter, only one wig and very little makeup. I was thinking... How has it become normalised for eight and nine and ten-year-old girls to be wearing wigs and makeup just to go dancing? This is not traditional at all. This is all invented tradition. Uh, so the, it's all about the steps. 
And as the steps became more elaborate then, in order to give a, a, a sort of a vision uh, to look at, these so-called traditions accrued over time. So that you ended up with all of this ever more elaborate setup from the knees up about a dancing, which of course is from the knees down and you hold the, 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 your arms rigidly by the side of your body. And of course, uh, river dance was a completely heretical breakout, smashing up of all of that. They and there's their ir- arms. I- irreconcilable uh, and differences. And you know where that leads. <laughs> irreconcilable differences uh, arose in, 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 but can, uh, because can, of can all of that. Can you explain, though, the, the nature of the scandal? Because I made the mistake of suggesting, look, this is a relatively minor thing and isn't a significant story. And I have been set no, upon no, all on some to say this is massive. It's huge. And by the way, Irish America particularly hugely invested in Irish dancing as a way of maintaining tradition. And obviously there's a hugely positive side to that. But it was also about fossilising tradition, which is why you have all of these wigs and bobs and curls and stuff and things. And then you have something else, nothing to do with dance, just old-fashioned greed. Uh, you know, in any organisation, whether, whether it's tiddlywinks or dance, uh, you have people who have power. Uh, they don't have a lot of power maybe in their own daily life. They overinvest in what they're on the committee in and they, they just run amok. Text saying, Anton, my daughter loves Irish dancing and sees the wig and makeup as part of a long-standing tradition and enjoys it as part of the performance. And by it, the way, it is a long-standing tradition of many decades. By the way, a text in relation to housing, markets are simple. Prices set at the level where people can afford to buy. So the question is, why are house prices so unaffordable in Ireland? Why does our Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael government want ever-increasing house prices that are unaffordable to so many? And why are vulture funds allowed to buy them? Big thank you to Jared Howland, political commentator and public affairs consultant, and to journalist Brianna Parkins for joining us this morning. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.